everyone. Good morning. It's Friday, the 14th of December, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world and the number one result on Google for autonomous cars podcasts. Today, episode 74, a very special episode this because, well, there's really no other way to say this, but with 73 episodes behind us, it is time to call an end to this season. Ha, did you think I was ending the show? Come on, give me a break. We're only just getting started. But yeah, it is time for the season finale. Uh, This, of course, marking the end of our second season. Uh, I realized with the holidays nearly upon us, it was really just time to go on a bit of a break, not only for my own sanity, but also I'm sure you've all got a lot more fun and interesting things to do as we get ready to close out the year and ring in the new year in big style. So... That said, two episode segments today rather than the usual three because I wanted to allocate the time uh, for that third segment with a few uh, important announcements, the first of which I've just made, namely that this is indeed the season finale. Uh, the second announcement is a shout out to one of our listeners who goes by the name of jmac9999. This listener has left a wonderful five-star rating and written review on iTunes, which reads, Mark is passionate about this subject. This is a great resource for staying up to speed on a fast-moving sector. So, JMac9999, thank you very much for that review indeed. All right, so one last announcement here before getting started today. Uh, I wanted to wait until it was officially official, and, well, now it is. Uh, I'm thrilled to announce that I've been invited to attend and will be in Las Vegas for CES 2019 in early January. I'll be there from the 6th of January until at least the 9th, possibly a day or two longer. Uh, Anyway, um, details are a bit sparse for the time being. I'll share with you some more as they come my way through Twitter at Autonomous Hogue and also over at the website markhogue.com. But suffice to say, if you're going to be there, obviously please shoot me a note either on LinkedIn or Twitter, facebook.com slash Autonomous Hogue or by whatever other method you'd like. It would be my pleasure to meet with you. We can chit-chat all things there are about autonomous cars or whatever else besides. Also, I think it's safe to say that I will use CES 2019 as the launching point for season three of this show. And going along with that, I think it's time to finally roll out a video version of this show. So it'll be shared over on my YouTube channel, which admittedly has been rather underutilized since launching it several months ago, but um, it'll, you know, I'll do my best to get whatever coverage I can of CES, and then henceforth, I think I'll do a video, ver- at least I'll test doing a video version of this podcast, the audio of which will be ripped out and uploaded as a regular podcast, as we've been doing all this time. But in any event, um, that'll be CES 2019. Again, I'll be there from January 6th until at least the 9th, so I do hope to meet up with you there. Let me know, shoot me a note, it'll be my pleasure to make your acquaintance. All right, so that's it as far as announcements go, so let's kick things off, shall we? Today, episode 74, the season two finale. Autonomous vehicles should be federally controlled like airplanes, and another Tesla guy falls asleep at the wheel. All this, right now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
All right, before we get started, don't worry, not another announcement, but as you know, I like to encourage uh, feedback from listeners like you in the form of questions, comments, even critiques, and then to share this with you. So today I've got three really great questions from one of our listeners. His name is Marco Flores, and he writes to us over on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash autonomous hoag. Question one, do you think AVs will roll out for long distance commutes? Yes, absolutely. Short distance, long distance, in between distance, everywhere. Uh, then the next question, uh, he asks, suppose, well, fundamentally, the question is asking, how are autonomous ride-sharing programs going to reduce the cost of the passengers? So for example, suppose it costs uh, $68 to get from A to B with an UberX today. Um, you know, how is this price going to change once autonomous cars are rolled out? So I think initially, we're going to see some pretty friendly promotional pricing to really entice consumers to give this a shot, because I think a lot of folks are going to be understandably a bit uneasy about this initially. Um, realistically, I mean, optimally, I can imagine that the price of a ride is going to be reduced at most by whatever the driver share would have been of that of that ride, right? So for example, a $68 trip, suppose the driver pockets $20, well, then you can imagine a $48 trip. Um, obviously, the end game for autonomous vehicles is to make more money off uh, off these driverless cars, right? Not less. So it's going to be a delicate balancing act insofar as, you know, what kind of cost savings can you pass on to the passengers while simultaneously allowing the companies themselves to reap greater rewards? I think perhaps a slightly more interesting extension to this question would be what's going to happen once we have electric autonomous cars for ride sharing? Because now... With electric autonomous cars, I mean, the cost savings are going to be tremendous for the, for the companies that manage these things, right? So, I mean, that said, obviously, again, you know, the question becomes whether, you know, how much of these cost savings are going to be passed on to the, to the passengers. So there's really three possibilities, right? Either A, in a worst case scenario, there are no cost savings passed on to passengers, and I don't see that happening. Option B, all of the cost savings are passed on to passengers, and obviously that's not going to happen either. So obviously option C, it's going to fall somewhere in the middle. We will see absolutely some of the cost savings passed on to the passengers, and obviously we're going to see profit margins for the companies managing these autonomous electric ride-sharing cars just skyrocket. Um, so, so remember, with an electric car, there's a tremendous, tremendous reduction in costs of ownership, right? So yes, the initial outlay of cash to get an electric car is obviously quite high and will be quite high for some time to come. But once you have that car, I mean, look at all the reductions, right? So, so first of all, you've got no fuel costs apart from a few dollars to charge up your battery, which will get you two or 300 miles today and potentially four and 500 miles tomorrow. Um, I'm obviously not going to have any cost to the driver, so that's good. Um, it's going to be autonomous, which means you're going to have a huge reduction in insurance costs because presumably these cars are going to be much safer than human driven cars. Um, you're not going to have any sort of maintenance costs insofar as oil changes, well, because there's no oil, uh, you're not even going to have to change the brakes, really, because electric cars use regenerative braking so much. Um, okay, tires, but those will get you 30,000, 40,000 miles or more. So so really, the ongoing cost of ownership of, of an electric autonomous car is going to be like nothing. So <laughs> this really suggests a, uh, as we say in economics, a Pareto optimal scenario for everyone. That is a, a scenario which is better for all parties on all fronts. Every, every person is made better off in the end. So suffice to say then, the end game for autonomous electric cars, yeah, it's really a win for everybody. 
So, so Marco, to give you a direct numerical answer to your question, so that $68 ride in your hypothetical from A to B, from I think you said from San Jose Airport to SFO, I don't know. Uh, I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the range of 20 to $30 instead of 68 maybe as high as 40 still. I don't know. It's impossible to say. It all depends on, you know, how the how the companies want to price this. And of course, ultimately, obviously, su- supply and demand. I mean, we're still going to have to, you know, we're still going to have surge pricing based on excessive demand and, and traffic and that kind of thing. But I, I think we're going to see a really appreciable reduction in prices for passengers once we have uh, autonomous cars generally, but especially once we have autonomous electric cars. So Marco asks, suppose you're in an accident with an autonomous vehicle. Uh, what happens at a practical level, right? So how do you exchange contact info, insurance info, and so on? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a funny question, um, but it's a really important question. Um, I do think, however, the solution will present itself. I think it's a relatively trivial thing. I mean, a few ideas just off the top of my head. First of all, I'm sure the autonomous vehicle will automatically, huh, autonomously, um, ping the powers that be that govern that vehicle remotely. Uh, you yourself individually will certainly be able to reach out to your insurance company. I mean, a lot of companies today, like Geico, for example, are already entirely mobile app based. Uh, you'll just take a photo of the scene of the accident. I could imagine that maybe autonomous cars will have a QR code or similar on or near the license plate that you could scan uh, and submit that information to your insurance company, who in turn will probably reach out to whatever company is responsible for that autonomous vehicle. Uh, maybe there's a button you could press somewhere on that car, but suffice to say, I think it is a relatively trivial thing that'll be resolved in due course. But anyway, Marco, thank you so much for these questions. Uh, these are obviously really great thought-provoking questions. So to everyone else, you know, again, don't be shy. Shoot me your questions, and hopefully next season we'll get many more of these. Uh, it's great to discuss with all of you, so keep them coming. And also, I realize these were pretty loaded questions, uh, to which I was trying to give sort of off-the-top-of-my-head answers without actually crunching any numbers. Um, so I'm sure a lot of you are probably going to disagree with some of what I've said. Uh, please <laughs> let me know that you disagree. Uh, give me your thoughts. Let's discuss this further in the new season. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, so I want to touch on something that was mentioned in a previous episode. Um, and I want to kick it off like this I'm going to present to you the following question What is the difference between an autonomous ride sharing vehicle and an airplane? Now, obviously, the airplane, okay, it's it's larger, it's got two wings, um, it travels about five or six times faster than the car, and about seven miles above the ground, yes, obviously. But insofar as your role as a passenger, when you get into an airplane, and you go from A to B, and if you get into an autonomous vehicle which is fully autonomous, so level five, no human inputs whatsoever, and you don't even own that vehicle, but you get into it and it gets you from A to B, for a practical point of view, apart from the speeds and obviously the altitudes and the size, what's the difference? Aren't they both 
essentially the same thing fundamentally. They're just different in degree, but not really so different in kind. Aren't they both just vessels that you climb into for the, for the purpose of transporting you from A to B, vessels over which you have no direct control whatsoever? And so, so by that line of thinking then, and here's my question for you, isn't it reasonable then that autonomous vehicles should be regulated by some federal administration exactly the same way that aviation is regulated by, at least in the U.S., by the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. And indeed, internationally, we have similarly uh, two different organizations. There is the, uh, the ICAO, the International Civil Aviation Organization, and there's the International Air Transport Association, the IATA. My, my, my point is, is that all over the world, there seems to be this recognition, this, th- this understanding for a need to have some sort of government oversight involving uh, air travel, whether it's for commercial use or indeed even for private use. Right? So whether you get into your little Cessna 152 or whether you're a passenger boarding with 300 of your other shipmates on a 777, in, in either case... That flight and everything about that aircraft down to the fuel that it uses is monitored, regulated, and otherwise managed by some government agency, by some government body, to, to a very strict degree, mind you. Um, so, so I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, you, you look at what's happened here in, in the U.S. at least, where the federal government has said, look, we're going to leave this to the states. We're going to let all 50 states decide how they want to test and deploy autonomous vehicles. Well, you know, as we've discussed quite a few times on the show, that's, that, that sounds great in theory. On the other hand, suddenly you realize if you're an automaker, especially from outside the U.S., and you want to comply with U.S. regulations, well, now suddenly you've got to make sure that your car complies with 50 different states' regulations. I mean, that, that seems a bit of a nightmare, No. I mean, so it's no surprise then that you look in Europe, uh, um, you know, a lot of the German companies are trying to form a consortium, right? So rather like IEEE for engineers, which sets standards for engineering, um, for, for, for engineering, uh, you know, metrics and devices and, and that sort of thing and, and standards generally, um, the idea is that these German automakers want to form a consortium to set standards for autonomous vehicle technology. So the general idea is, of course, what? It's liability protection, right? So if, so if anything goes wrong, as long as you can show that you conform to the standards as defined by that consortium, then in general, you should be kind of off the hook, as it were, um, so, so, so I think if the point that I'm getting at, and really the question I'm going to leave you with, um, and I, I might actually throw up a, uh, a Twitter. Uh, I, I know that we didn't do a Friday poll day today. It's because I realized I'm not going to be back on Tuesday. But look, nevertheless, I'm not going to just fall off the planet. I'll, I think I'll probably go ahead and perhaps put up uh, this question on Twitter with a poll that you can answer. Should the end game of autonomous cars, meaning a world in which we have fully level five autonomous cars with no driver input whatsoever, and a world in which private car ownership is basically not a thing anymore, so all vehicles, or at least the vast majority of vehicles, are ride-sharing, does it make sense to have an organization like the FAA or internationally like the IATA or the ICAO, does it make sense to have a similar organization for autonomous vehicles. And that's my question for you. So 
Obviously, shoot me a note if you like, uh, either a voicemail on Anchor.fm or a, or a tweet directly at Autonomous Hogue or on our Facebook page at Autonomous Hogue or elsewhere besides. But yeah, I think I'll probably uh, go ahead and put this up as a question on Twitter and I'll write it as a poll. So you can leave your answer there and we'll discuss it. Um, certainly, we'll discuss it on Twitter anyway and on Facebook. But um, you know, when we open up the new, the new season, say in January, I think this would be a really interesting thing to dive in and discuss further. So super curious to hear your thoughts. Do let me know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, to wrap things up for today and indeed for the season, I want to uh, share with you something. I mean, it's kind of tug-in-cheek, uh, the way the story presented itself, but it could have been something really quite tragic, actually. I'm sure many of you heard about the uh, pretty astonishing story about the, the, the Tesla driver driving on the 101 freeway uh, here just south of San Francisco, uh, who apparently fell asleep at the wheel and some police discovered... Uh, somehow they just happened to notice that he was indeed asleep. Um, and apparently the car was just continuing along on its merry way under the uh, watchful control of autopilot. Uh, footnote, why was the autopilot not disengaging? Or I should say, why was it not pulling over to the side of the road? I thought that's what it's supposed to do if the driver doesn't touch the steering wheel. Although I say that, but in my experience, if you don't touch the steering wheel when it asks you to, it actually just fully disengages. It doesn't pull over to the side of the road. Um, so, so I, it's kind of a multi-part question and a bit of a mystery, if I'm honest. Um, but, but anyway, so if, if you if you didn't read the story, so what ended up happening is pretty remarkable. Um, the CHP officers uh, who ended up driving alongside the car, they, they realized what was going on. They, they noticed the driver was asleep and that the car must be an autopilot. And so in about seven miles, it took that long, you know, at freeway speeds, it, it took that long to sort of come up with this strategy. Uh, which, if, if you think about it, is actually pretty quick. Um, they decided to get in front of the car uh, with the assumption that the autopilot, in order to avoid an accident, would uh, automatically brake and eventually come to a stop. And that is, of course, what ultimately ended up happening. Um, just as a quick side note, I mean, really, seven miles, that's not bad. I mean, the car was, I believe, traveling at 65 or 70 miles an hour. That means it would have traversed seven miles in something like, what, six minutes, six and a half minutes? So... Um, that's, that's pretty good, quick thinking, I have to say on behalf of the CHP officers. So, uh, congrats and hats off to them for really safely resolving what could have been a really tragic uh, situation indeed. Now it turns out the driver had fallen asleep because I believe they, I I think he was charged actually with a DUI. That's not the important point of the story here, really. Um, you know, first of all, I think the most important point is, you know, how, first of all, that autopilot continued to drive along with no driver input whatsoever without, you know, the hands on the wheel requirement, as it were. Um, that said, it's a good thing it continued to function without disengaging, because otherwise there would have been an accident, most likely. Um, but but I think what's funny, and the reason I wanted to discuss this with you, is I was, I was talking about this with somebody the other day, and she had <laughs> she said to me something like this. Um, she, she thought it was interesting that the police didn't let the car do its job, which was to drive this guy home. <laughs> so, um, 
I think that's really funny for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, it really kind of suggests what many of you have pointed out, and we've certainly read elsewhere besides, that th- there might be a bit of a marketing mistake with Autopilot currently, um, that the people really think it's capable of more than it actually is. Um, I mean, I just find this word choice really funny, right? That, that she thought it was interesting that the police didn't let the car do its job, which was to drive this guy home. Um, look, uh, I, I've said a lot on this show that, that I'm really quite fine with with Tesla, with Elon Musk's marketing of autopilot. I think it's just fine the way they're going about it. Um, I, you know, if people want to, if pe- people want to interpret it as being capable of more than it is, uh, I, I kind of place that burden on them. I, I think that's just a bit silly. But but it raises a really interesting question, which is, are people really, first of all, believing autopilot can do more than it can do? And on the flip side, it seems to me that they're really kind of hoping for and anticipating a future in which this is actually possible. A future in which, yeah, the car should have actually been able to get the driver home safely. And, and so in a funny sort of way... I think that this ridiculous scenario on the freeway, which again could have ended in tragedy, but remarkably thanks to these really quick thinking police officers, you know, it it didn't. Um, And just based on the question that I was asked, you know, why didn't the car get the guy home safely? This really kind of presupposes a future in which we assume this to be the case. We assume it's going to be the case that one day very soon, falling asleep at the wheel will no longer be a tragically dangerous thing, or I should say a dangerously tragic thing, neither for the occupants of the vehicle in which the driver fell asleep, nor for other innocent drivers around. And this applies to falling asleep at the wheel because you're just exhausted. It applies to drunk driving, right? So just taken as a whole, I think this whole situation, this, this scenario that occurred with this driver in the Tesla who had fallen asleep at the wheel, whether or not this driver was drunk, that's not the point. The point is, I mean, look, it could have been a medical emergency, right? The guy could have passed out. He could have had a stroke, a heart attack, whatever. Could have had a seizure, right? The fact that the car didn't crash already is remarkable and i think it's a huge testament to the to the promised future this incredible future of the 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 increased safety that autonomous cars will bring to us as a whole this is an incredible incredible thing and i feel like somehow the 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 magic of this the wonder the the incredible reality of how this played out and more particularly the, the the incredible awful tragic reality of what did not transpire you know the the car did not crash this is astounding i mean but for tesla's autopilot this guy could be dead and frankly other drivers on the road with him so i can't really think of a better bombshell to end this episode and indeed this season than just pausing to recognize the true wonder of a world in which we do have autonomous cars around us everywhere, not just for the practicality and for the convenience, but for something as fundamentally important to all of us, just our safety. So on that note, 
Thank you so much for listening. It's been a real pleasure having all of you with me this entire season. And indeed, so many of you since the show began back in February. It's hard to believe it's been almost a year since I launched this show back in February of 2018. I believe on the last day of February. We are now 74 episodes deep. I can't wait to see you back here at the launch of season three. As I said, it should be uh, during my trip at CES in Las Vegas, January 6th through 9th. Thank you so much to all of you for making this show possible, for making it a reality, for continuing to grow it, which, as always, I must ask you, though, it cannot grow and it will not grow and I will not continue to do the show unless it continues to grow. And of course, that can only occur with your help. I don't know if all of you know, but I'm really thrilled and pleased to say this show has grown completely organically. I've done no marketing of any sort whatsoever. It's grown completely organically to nearly 10,000 monthly listens to people like you, industry insiders, executives, people who are interested and who care deeply about a safer world thanks to autonomous cars. So please, with your help, continue to spread the word. It's only growing because of you. So keep doing this. Share it with your friends. Share it with your colleagues at work. Let people know about this show. Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only podcast in the world dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. So until next time, I wish you Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all the best for the new year in 2019. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.